Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We open the show today with a dramatic reading of Donald Trump's latest truth bomb, where he calls for a 2020 election redo in light of the revelation that the FBI and Facebook colluded to suppress essential election information. It's expert-level trolling by the former president in a clever way to make some important points about a truly major scandal. Also in the opening, we discuss the My Son Hunter trailer, racking up 3.5 million views so far online, and I have reason to believe it's a lot more than that because some platforms don't track their views all that accurately, I think. And a NASA launch was botched, and Kamala Harris is taking much of the blame. And then we have a long and disturbing woke update, per usual, among other subjects. Our guest today is Breitbart Politics editor Emma Jo Morris, who is best known for breaking the infamous laptop from Health Story. And we talk about Mark Zuckerberg suppressing the scoop of her life and whether a red wave will actually materialize this election year after all. We do have a caller of the day today. It's Chris in Pennsylvania, and he picks up on that theme of the red wave. And we spoke about this topic a lot throughout the live show. And those of you who just get the podcast, uh, we are live on SiriusXM every morning, 6 to 9 a.m. on SiriusXM 125, the Patriot channel. And I make a recommendation during the course of the discussion on the live show that an election year slogan for the Republican Party could be borders, babies, and bank accounts. Isn't that what this is all about? We have an open border and all that represents and all of the downstream issues like the drugs that stem from that. Babies, baby formula crisis, uh, abortion really kind of becoming front and center again with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, and bank accounts, whether or not we find acceptable that uh, Joe Biden in an inflationary moment is going to sick 87,000 more IRS agents on you when you're getting hammered at the pump and you're getting hammered at the grocery store. That's what this is about. Borders, babies, bank accounts. But are we seeing that type of messaging from the Republicans? I think the consensus is not yet. So hopefully we will, but certainly not yet this election season. Anyway, all that's discussed and that's where we'll go. with Donald Trump saying, declare me the rightful winner of the 2020 election or do a redo and I will read it to you. This is the truth bomb that dropped 18 hours ago as we are recording the show or broadcasting live. So now it comes out conclusively that the FBI buried the Hunter Biden laptop story before the election, knowing that if they didn't, Trump would have easily won the 2020 presidential election. This is massive fraud and election interference at a level never seen before in our country. Remedy, declare the rightful winner or, and this would be the minimal solution, declare the 2020 election irreparably compromised and have a new election immediately. I think the immediately part might be my favorite. He says you gotta do it right away. Um, this will be a divisive or divisive comment for a lot of people. And I have to say, and I look, it's the if you don't advocate for yourself, who will you get very lucky to have that situation. I, I would be shocked if this was not at least partially inspired by what we talked about in the show yesterday. Not say that Trump was listening per se, but there's certainly people around Trump who listen. And uh, I came in the show and I had was coming in with sort of fresh eyes on the Mark Zuckerberg revelation 
that uh, took place last, I think it was Thursday on Joe Rogan's podcast, which I had not had a chance to comment on until yesterday morning because I wasn't here on Friday's show, um, that Mark Zuckerberg had said the FBI had suggested that they censor the Hunter Biden laptop story in so many words. And Zuckerberg had gone along with it. And then we had gone to the FBI Breitbart and said, hey, uh, is this true? And the FBI didn't respond, which of course we took as a affirmation of this. And considering that it wouldn't been, it wouldn't have been out of the pattern of what we've been seeing from the FBI of late. And from all of the polling that we've seen, both recent and at the time, the Media Research Center, I think, was the first out of the gate with this, that if people knew the extent to which uh, Hunter Biden was selling his family name for influence, then they would not have voted for Joe Biden. Maybe they wouldn't have voted for Trump, but they certainly wouldn't vote, wouldn't have voted for Biden at a level that was high enough for him to win all those swing states in such a narrow way. So that is tantamount to, drumroll please, election interference. And I was saying this is one of the biggest stories of the century, and it just happened last Thursday. It just came out. The guy who uh, controls so much of what so many people, so many voters, by the way, too. You know, Facebook's platform is... Um, is a it's something that might not be as sexy as like an Instagram or a TikTok or even a Twitter, which Twitter kind of appeals to the, I think, more intellectual class. But Facebook is by far the most popular at this point, and it's also favored by uh, boomers and Gen Xers, people who vote, people who vote, people who do see it as uh, a their responsibility to show up every couple of years and pull those levers whoever they think the candidates are, that's much more cultural in older people that they do it. So when they were on those platforms and uh, they did not get the extent of the Hunter Biden coverage as you would have expected because Facebook manually controls what goes viral and what doesn't. And you know how we know this? We reported on this quite a bit at Breitbart over the last couple of days. Alan Bakari had a brilliant headline, The Curious Silence on Facebook when CEO Mark Zuckerberg appeared in the world's top podcast. And Alan notes, as I alluded to yesterday on the broadcast, that in the hours and days following the interview, according to data that we have available to us via social media service Newswhip, the story that with the highest velocity, Alan writes, on Facebook, was a uh, about Facebook was a puff piece from Business Insider about Zuckerberg's wife Priscilla Chan, and even that got relatively little engagement compared to other unrelated stories that were trending on the platform. Even though Zuckerberg himself, according to Alan writes, uh, or or Alan writes, Zuckerberg confirmed in this interview the FBI warned Facebook of an imminent Russian propaganda dump before the New York Post published their first story on Hunter Biden's laptop from hell which were swiftly suppressed by Facebook and, of course, Twitter as well. So this is election interference. It's from the FBI. It's from social media. It was a confirmed, announced, admitted to publicly last week. And then by Monday morning, I felt like I was the only one talking about it. And Trump dives in there with a what I refer to as a truth bomb. That is when he tweets something but via truth, truth social because he's not on Twitter right now. And uh, there's a lot to love about this tweet or truth bomb, whatever you want to call it. Um, obviously, he's being provocative, trying to get attention. I think he did that. We made this lead story by Burt News. And his suggestion that we're going to overturn, declare him the winner of the 2020 election is not going to happen, of course. 
It's not going to happen immediately, as he suggested, of course. But him using the phrase massive fraud and election interference at a level never seen before in our country is kind of true. It is kind of true. When you have the federal government, even though, yes, Trump was in charge of the federal government at the time. Let's not forget that. Let's not. uh, That is a key detail. But the federal government had said to a social media company, one of the widest distributors of news in the history of planet Earth, that they should not cover a completely true story because it was allegedly Russian propaganda, but it wasn't at all. In fact, it was a story so devastating that it could have potentially taken out a presidential candidate, politically speaking. And that just happened. And then we learn about two years later, it's reason for him to be upset. And he should be. So uh, this is a, uh, what's, what's also interesting to me in certain audiences right-of-center audiences in particular, who have spent the last couple of years trying to do uh, somewhat meaningful work, but oftentimes really counterproductive work, trying to figure out what happened in the election and how Trump uh, got hosed and how Joe Biden, a guy who campaigned mostly from his basement, got a record number of votes, which was, of course, implausible that that happened. Um, But how that happened, and there's so much focus on conspiracies and on um, assuming that there were, you know, ballots that were in boxes that were, you know, pulled out from under tables or flipped via algorithm from voting machines that weren't calibrated properly. And all these things are going to be so hard to prove and probably are not even necessarily real at all. And then here it is. We've got it. We've got the what informs people and what they vote is what they read, what they hear about. And now we've got the biggest social media platform in the world admitting that the, they colluded with the federal government to suppress crucial information to the public. And it was out of the news in like four days. So I went on a big jag about it yesterday's show and then uh, this truth bomb dropped. And I'm kind of into it. I'm kind of into it. I think it's the, this is the type of Trump that I like. It's a he's using his classic trolling tactics, um, o- over overstating something perhaps in a way that will get attention to him, and then people can consider his ideas. This is what he's always done very well, and he is still by far the Republican favorite to be nominee in 2024. But he is also, uh, according to at least some polls, ahead of Joe Biden in a head-to-head matchup, leading Biden by four in a potential 2024 matchup. But this is not without his pitfalls. It really isn't. Um, Because he is usurping so much of the attention. He is usurping so much of the focus. And there, we do need to spend a lot of time talking about the extent to which Joe Biden's America has gone backwards and how we are largely in a managed decline at this moment. And you can, all you have to do is look to our southern border, look at the inflation data, look at the gas prices, look at how we're, how things are going overseas. Almost no good news overseas, period. Perhaps the only good news, sort of, and it's not, great news because again there's probably a lot of people who are going to suffer from suffer from this that china's economy is going so badly at this moment 
um, that that perhaps they're not lapping us on the world stage quite as badly as they would be if they weren't having their own problems. So, but this is the trick. I've been saying this for a while that it feels like the strategy that the Democrats have waged since the January the 6th committee is they've got two possible outcomes. The first possible outcome, and this is their pie in the sky hope, is that they somehow figure out a way to get the bad orange man this time because he's a civilian now, sort of. There are certain privileges extended to presidents beyond the presidency. Uh, but the goal is if they can draw an inside strike, they can actually put him in jail. And if they can't, then they want to make him the nominee because he'll be the most vulnerable uh, in a election year. And they know the Democrats are not going to be in super strong position. Just given the nature of Joe Biden's leadership abilities, Kamala Harris's leadership abilities, and the nature of the Democrats not having, um, I, I think, enough of the Congress where they're going to be able to get a, a ton more of their agenda through, even if they are able to get a little bit more through. So they're going to have to explain a lot of stuff, and not to mention they've got all these sacred cows, which is when we're seeing prices the way they are, we're seeing inflation, it's very hard to pander to the Greens as much as the Democrats want to do. Uh, another story that really rippled was our exclusive that they're still admitting COVID positive illegal aliens into the country, which Breitbart broke over the weekend. Our own John Binder broke that story. And that got all the way to the White House. And it was asked about indirectly by Steve Ducey of Fox of Corrine Jean-Pierre. Let's play this clip. We've got this cut five, please, gentlemen. Somebody unvaccinated comes over on a plane. You say that's not okay. Somebody walks into Texas or Arizona unvaccinated. They're allowed to stay. But, Why? But that's not how it works. Like we actually no. I know that that's not what you guys want to happen, but that is what what is happening. But that's not. It's not like somebody walks over and <laughs> that's not. That's, that's not how. Exactly what's happening? We well, thousands of people are walking in a day. Some of them turn themselves over. Some of them are caught. Tens of thousands a week are not. That is what is happening. So let me just lay out what we have done under this administration. We have installed new border technology and set up joint protocols with Mexico and Guatemala to catch more human traffickers. We have already made over 3,000 arrests in the first three months of launching an unprecedented anti-smuggling campaign. Okay, pause. So it's, it's... Infuriating. There have been about 5 million, 4.9 to 5 million, according to estimates that we've heard, uh, illegal aliens who've come into the country since Joe Biden was uh, elected president or since he was sworn in. And just so you know, the next time you hear someone say there's 11 million illegal aliens here, uh, that was the number that was used 30 years ago or 25, whenever it was when I first started paying attention to politics, it was 11 million. You'll still get that same number told to you today, even though 5 million people that we know of have entered since Joe Biden came in a year and a half ago. So, and of these people, they figured out that many of them do try to sneak in and just try to, you know, skirt by law enforcement, see how far they can get. But a lot of them have figured out if they come in and they turn themselves over, and they declare that they're seeking asylum, we can't process them fast enough. And then our facilities get overcrowded, which creates a political football here in the United States. So then the solution is just let them out. So once there's the news cycles come in that, uh, oh no, the facilities are overcrowding, which sends a signal that there is a invasion of our border, which of course there is. 
then the easiest thing to do is just let people out. And then they don't show up for their court dates, at least 98% of them don't, because they don't really believe they have asylum, legitimate asylum claims. Because if they did, they'd probably stop in Mexico, which has very simple, similar asylum rules as the United States. Um, and so these, a lot of these people have coronavirus, COVID-19, and it is SARS-CoV-2 pandemic. You guys might be familiar with it. It's come up a couple times on the show. And they just, they have coronavirus and that's fine. So if you want to be a, a, if you want to be someone who travels into the United States to do business and you're unvaccinated and you're a person of means who will come here and spend money, do commerce. Um, and I'm dealing with this now because there are some people who could help us with the release of my son, Hunter. And uh, which is our uh, the first movie we've ever distributed to Breitbart. And it is a week away from you being able to see it. Or I guess a week from Thursday. Is that when we're doing it? I guess a week from Thursday. So mysonhunter.com. Uh, by all means, the, the more you, I know you're not inclined to do this, but if you're going to buy it uh, and, and you buy it now, that does help us to a certain degree. Trying to create some momentum. 3.5 million views so far that we know of, of the trailer so far. So cool. So, so cool, so exciting. And so related to this topic with the FBI raiding Trump, invest, turning over every stone in Donald Trump's life and acting like Hunter Biden is the smartest guy Joe knows and completely pristine. No interest in him. In fact, they've gone to bat for him and acting like true stories about him are actually Russian propaganda. That's what the FBI has done. And it is just perfect timing in the news cycle for what the movie is all about. Because the movie, though it is somewhat fictional and totally hilarious and totally bonkers at times in an entertaining sense, there are dozens of incidences ripped straight from the, from the headlines that get covered in the movie. It's in highly informative and a lot of segments are 100% accurate. Anyway, so I, I digress, but it's important. Um, but you know, there's some things that we want to do in terms of promotion that we can't do because not everyone who we want to help out can get into the country because they've got, haven't gotten their jabs and we're still not admitting people. People have to sneak in basically if you're un, if you're, uh, unjabbed, even though even jab advocates like myself have acknowledged that the data is murky when there even is data on the jabs effectiveness and the latest variants. And not to mention if you're a young healthy person in particular, but really all people, but young healthy people in particular, why we would insist that you should lose this freedom on medical autonomy of your own body, why you should use, uh, lose that for this thing, for this virus that is, has a low mortality rate for anyone who is not obese or his pre-existing conditions or his, or his elderly, like why you would lose that freedom is just so anti-American and yet it's still the policy here. So for people who will come in and spend money and do business and contribute to our economy, but if you want to come in and take from our economy, from our Southern border, red carpet, roll it out for you. But going back to the points about the elections that are coming up both 2022 and 2024 Silicon Valley is getting ready to make sure Democrats win. Uh, I noted that Google is making algorithm changes. 
I think that uh, Twitter has, I think, rolled back some of the, uh, uh, has gone back to their more manipulative ways since the, uh, the 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 dream of Elon Musk buying the platform is fading. Not impossible at this point, but it's fading. Faded a lot. And I think Mark Zuckerberg, who's largely been uh, blamed for the 2016 Trump victory, that he should have done more to suppress people like Breitbart, which was the number one website on all of Facebook in the 2016 election. It was it was us, the the Huffington Post and New York Times were all pretty much right there at the top. And but arguably we are the biggest, and I think they know that, and they've I think made a vow that they weren't going to let that happen again. So this is where the strategy kicks in because Biden's got a little bit of momentum. He's got a really simple. The Democrats have a pretty simple platform for this midterm. Um, Roe v. Wade over getting overturned was an outrage, and you got to vote to make sure the stuff doesn't happen again, which has always been their move. And it's partially why I think they never codified Roe into law because it's a political galvanizer for their base. Um, inflation is slowing. Gas prices are coming down, even though they went up a lot. But if they frame it in the right way, then they could portray this as Joe Biden's epic leadership by releasing oil from the, the strategic petroleum reserves, which we know he did the first time because his poll numbers were bad. The second time he did, it was probably necessary. Um... But, you know, try to spin that. Uh, Biden has passed now a a big portion of his agenda. And that he got a little bit of gun control through, which it wasn't much, but it is something which Democrats aren't typically good at getting gun control through. And he passed, you know, probably half, maybe two thirds of his Build Back Better agenda via the scandalously named Inflation Reduction Act which he got through despite the fact that he lied to the public about what it's all about. Now, he only got it through because on on party lines, but he did get it through. And then he can take credit for the Zawahiri killing and uh, a suggestion that the Iran nuclear deal might be back on. Even though Afghanistan has been a total disaster and the Iran um, nuclear deal would be a total disaster, I, I think you can sell that as he's productive and he's got a vision. You wouldn't sell it to this audience, but you could sell it to Democrats who might think about, you know, sitting it out. So it's a pretty simple message that they've got going and not impossible to sell to medium to low information Democrats to get them motivated to go out and, and, and get to the polls. Now, what's the Republican messaging? Uh, we must stop Democrats. Everything stinks. Which is all right. I mean, it's okay messaging. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm cool with it, but I don't know if that's going to be sufficient. Oh yeah, of course. And uh, disavowing the maggots. That's, that's another thing that he's doing. That's uh, the word that you're seeing. And MAGA with a T. That's what, that's what they want to do. Stop Trump. Of course. So it's pretty simple messaging. So what's the messaging coming out of the right? 2020 election was rigged. Everything sinks under Biden. It's not super inspirational, is it? It's not about a agenda that is going to be set. It's not about forward thinking. It's just about blocking and tackling, which is, it's something. It's enough for me. It's probably enough for most of you. But is that going to be enough to get uh, the, to swing this thing 
at the level Republicans need to, considering, in particular in the Senate, the map is so favorable to Democrats. And this is why people are seeing maybe the red wave is not really going to happen. Yeah, Democrats are increasingly demonizing Republican voters, not just politicians. This is new. This used to not be done. You might recall Hillary Clinton calling Trump voters deplorables and irredeemables, and I don't think it worked out well for her. And we're seeing this quite a bit. Kathy Hochul of New York um, saying Republicans, you know, don't like the job that she's doing. She just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong. Wow. Um, Joel Pollock said, compiled some of these for us at Breitbart. Uh, Charlie Chris saying he doesn't want DeSantis voters. Those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him. And I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. Those who are haters, you're going to go off in your own world. This is pretty new. I think it's pretty dangerous for Democrats to keep doing this. This has never been done on a regular basis where you actually insult the voters themselves. It was always about appealing to the populace and acting as though they've been misled by, you know, greedy or tricky or manipulative politicians. So they're not doing that great either, but I am increasingly concerned that the Republicans never really got their act together to put forward a great message for 2022 other than, hey, we're not the Democrats which looked like it was going to be enough before Biden actually was able to get a little bit of his agenda through and some of the more immediate crises economically uh, waned a little bit. Not to say they aren't still huge problems, but they at least made it feel like um, we're not just driving uh, headlong off a cliff. U.S. rents have hit record highs, which is, uh, of course, coinciding with uh, skyrocketing mass migration, as we've noted. Median rent for one bedroom apartment is now $1,500 a month. That is wild. That is wild. That's a median. Um, I, my first one bedroom apartment was less than that. And it was in the LA area. And that's, that is something that was, I guess, maybe 15 years ago. Um, up almost 12% since last year. In cities with mass migration of the highest rents, as thousands of new arrivals every month push up the cost of housing immensely. Boon for real estate investors and a kick in the gut for renters and first-time homeowners. Uh, millions are unable to pay for groceries after a snap EBT outrage. I'm sorry, outrage, outage. Which is something that there, there is a sad nature to this to me that we still have this program, and I know that we have to have some sort of basic level of uh, a welfare state for the, the most destitute among us. And there are legitimately people who cannot make it on their own. But I just do find this unbelievably sad. I, I notice when I'm driving around in my area now where there's some lower rent parts of the, of the area where I reside and there's just so many of the EBT cards are advertised at the liquor stores and the fast food stores. And uh, we are just trying to drag people into uh, a place where they're, where they're trapped in this system where they're living off the government and they're not making themselves healthy because they're using their government money on unhealthy stuff. And then outage goes out or there's an outage that happens. 
And then you're unable to get your really unhealthy stuff that you can get with your supplemental nutrition assistance program, electronic benefits transfer. And it does just make me sad. And it's something that we've kind of missed out on. We don't really address this because there's so many other stuff we got to address. But we do need to occasionally check in with where the, where the welfare state's at. And it never shrinks. It's always growing. And are, are we doing enough to try to create an environment where people can get off of it and get out of it? And when you're seeing skyrocketing energy prices, skyrocketing gas prices, inflation, hard to get baby formula, skyrocketing rent, people are not getting out of it. They're going to need their EBTs and then they're going to be, you know, going to fast food with it. Um, and we're doing some very bizarre stuff in the culture. Not very bizarre, it's a lazy way of putting it. Some self-destructive stuff in the culture where we are continuing to promote a very unhealthy lifestyles as if they're beneficial. Um, one such example is we have all decided that the hottest thing in America right now is this uh, rapper named Lizzo, who's morbidly obese, who's constantly posing in bikinis online. And we keep acting like this is awesome. This is about you know having self-confidence and stuff. No, it is an example of us encouraging people to be very unhealthy and not just being very unhealthy, it, it's, the, it's massive consumption. It's ma- massive levels of consumption, overconsumption, which psychologically is not good. Gluttony is not good. Massively overconsuming anything is not good. You need moderation in life, in everything. There's almost no exception to where you need moderation. There are very few things in life where you want to do overabundance. But you know who loves overabundance? Global capitalism. That's what loves it. The corporations, they love it when you overindulge in whatever their products are. So there's something, uh, I think, psychologically very perverted about this. It's not just about body positivity, which in general, having an element of that in society is fine, probably pretty good. But I, I find it to be, I think there's something more nefarious to it than that. I think uh, global corporations do love the idea of uh, of promoting people who are uh, over consumers of stuff addicts if you will because they consume the most stuff and this is there's something even darker than just oh we're just gonna congratulate this very unhealthy person for being incredibly beautiful even though uh, the person doesn't embody any sort of uh, traditional standards of beauty something beyond that and that's what we got to pay attention to as well in my opinion all right, I guess we're kind of in our woke update. Uh, Lizzo using her MTV awards speech to rant about laws oppressing us. She's got a, at least an eight-figure net worth, maybe more at this point. And, um, you know, she's very oppressed, this country. Uh, Natalie Portman, who is a famous actress, who supported defunding the police, has now benefited from police protection because a film she's working on was threatened with violence in Baltimore. Um, and this is something that I think is, uh, what, this is what happens constantly. And this is why Biden says we need to fund the police is that eventually you need police after a while. But the filming for Apple TV's Lady in the Lake was halted because crews were threatened with extortion and shootings. And it's just funny because stars Natalie Portman who's a defund the police person. 
Uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics defends mask uses for usage for children. They may still be needed to keep kids safe. It is so uh, upsetting to me how the medical establishment keeps lighting themselves on fire. I, of course, I find it clarifying, but this is something that is new to me. I don't think I totally understood the extent to which... Now, Mrs. Dr. Marlowe gets these medical journals. I flip through them sometimes. They're clearly more woke than you would want. But these type of big organizations that are uh, comprise the medical establishment, they almost all disappoint. There's been... I can't think of any major exception. And I'm sure there are, and I'm sure I'm just not thinking of it. But the fact that we're still talking about masking kids when the masking other than the N95s in specific circumstances haven't shown, there's no evidence that they helped at all. In fact, there's maybe some evidence that they hurt. And it's still being talked about for children. It's just still, it's just very upsetting. It's very upsetting that this is still going on. And I think it's going to have consequences because the next time the medical establishment might have something to say that could be helpful to people, they're not going to be listened to. And they don't deserve it. They don't deserve to be listened to because they continue to push things uh, which are clearly agenda-driven and about control and not about actually helping people with viruses. Um, let's see. In San Francisco... There are shops that are going to be withholding taxes until the homelessness problems have been remedied. A business group says that they are not going to pay taxes or threaten not to pay taxes if the city does not address issues, including the homeless problem. I, I will tell you, good luck on this one. The association's co-president, Terrence Allen, who owns Floor Dispensary and Cafe Floor, said many shops have been targeted with vandalism and he's had uh, to amend his own broken windows on a number of occasions and every day he wakes up to try to help people on the street we have to clean up feces on the street we have to clear out people from doorways so that we can open our business it's not fair now i will say a couple things um these people keep voting for democrats and they have my whole life and democrats have no ability to deal with these issues and yet they keep voting for Democrats. And good luck not paying your taxes. The last I heard, Joe Biden has figured out a way to hire 87,000 new IRS personnel to go extract those taxes from you. So in a way, I'm happy that people are doing some civil disobedience, but I just don't think it's going to work. And I don't recommend it for any of you in your personal life. I think you're going to get a, a, there is, you're not going to get away with this tactic. I admire the thought that goes into it. I just don't think it's that well thought through. You're better off moving and leaving and taking your business and your entrepreneurialism and taking it to a place where you're appreciated. And obviously the San Francisco elite, the Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, George Gascon crowd, they don't care about the normal people, the rank and file. They care only about the people who uh, give them more power. And people who withhold their tax dollars because they're upset about homelessness are not in that group. Um, speaking of Kamala Harris, she's getting blamed for the Artemis One mission that was botched. Space program was supposed to have a major launch yesterday, NASA. And it was delayed because of an engine bleed, which I was looking into. I hadn't heard that expression. I think it's when some sort of a gas comes out. It's not supposed to. 
and uh, they're going to redo it. But this was big disappointment. Um, it's multi-billion dollar every launch and the incredibly expensive Kamala is ostensibly in charge of this along with a guy named Bill Nelson, who's a career politician who's a thousand years old and used to be, was he Senator or governor of Florida a long time ago? But uh, these are the people in charge, just a perfect example of swamp culture, not getting the job done. And it is noteworthy, even though I'm not a huge Musk fan, and I'm not a huge Bezos fan, is the, and uh, Musk had a botched launch recently, but then they, 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 he, he does seem to get back on track on this stuff. Uh, I would love for NASA to be amazing, and um, I'd love for Space Force to be amazing. Uh, I, this does not instill confidence in another one where Kamala can't get a win. But she did say the space program is supposed to benefit all mankind and womankind. Oh, wow. I um, have found some more some more things for the woke update. 10-year-old trans model with trans mother is set to undergo surgery at 16. That is, again, mutilating your body and um, it is for, for boys chemical castration. That's what they're doing. Man is dominating after infiltrating girls AAU basketball tournament. It was a prankster who claimed he was trans and now is dominating. Pretty good stuff. Joe Morris, we hired from the New York Post where she broke the laptop from Hell Scoop. She's our politics editor now, and it is just amazing how it just seems like the laptop from Hell is constantly relevant. And not just with the My Son Hunter movie, but also we learned last week that Mark Zuckerberg got uh, warned by the FBI some quote-unquote Russian disinformation was coming down uh, the pike, and lo and behold, the Hunter Biden laptop scoop comes out, which is totally real. It was not Russian disinfo and it was suppressed by Twitter and Facebook and other uh, platforms because it was allegedly Russian disinformation. Uh, all of that is, must have been surreal for Emma in particular, who broke all the stories. We talked to her about it in the interview. Take a listen. Emma Joe, you must be feeling like this is surreal that the laptop from hell scoop that you brought out during the 2020 election is still, you know, one of the top stories in the world years later. Um, We learned last week that the FBI encouraged Facebook to suppress the story and that Facebook went along with it. The FBI is not denying it. Um, It is amazing how this saga continues. Hey, Alex. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And I know (laughs) I say that all the time. It's like I could never have imagined how this would grow and become this story that never dies. It literally just keeps going. And and now with the new movie, you know, it's picking up steam again. It's catching fire again. Meanwhile, we have all this news coming out of the FBI, out of Facebook. Congress is gearing up to start investigating and they have whistleblowers now coming forward. Thank God, by the way. Um, And, and, you know, I've said this before with you on this show. It's it was a huge mistake by the Biden campaign and by the the government to ignore this um, and and let it like just swirl around and and get a life of its own because because it's it's there's so many unanswered questions to it and it's so compelling um, that that we can't 
like it, it won't just go away. It's not one of those things that's just going to blow over in a week, despite uh, the short attention span that people kind of have now with the news cycle. This is it's uh, it's too much, and they have not addressed one single claim even now. One thing that really does strike me is how a lot of people on the right who are rightfully very upset about the results of 2020 and know it wasn't totally above board and there was a level of rigging that took place uh, that a lot of us, we our instinct was to complain about Dominion voting machines and to give Democrats Senate seats in Georgia. And now we know that basically the thing that we thought was happening, the, the Facebook just admitted to it. He literally just flat out said that that social media manipulating the information to control the vote, that that was happening. And it wasn't just happening now with Facebook. It was at the direction of the deep state. And they just admitted to it. There's no, there's no, I don't have to turn over a bunch of stones. I didn't have to go uh, fly to Ukraine and talk to a bunch of oligarchs to figure this out, Emma. It, 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 Mark Zuckerberg went on world's biggest podcast and explained this, that it happened. And we're like four, five days out. And if it wasn't for Donald Trump uh, truth bombing about it and us talking about a Breitbart, I feel like people would already be over it. We've moved on. Oh, I know. That was such an outrageous claim. It, it was, it was mind blowing actually when he said it and, and we knew that, like, that's the thing. And I've been saying that for two years, Alex. Um, I think yeah. that, that came up in, in my interview with you, um, <laughs> where, you know, the question is, what do you think about the election? And I've been saying the, the tea leaves have been pretty easy to read from the moment I published on October 14th, 2020, what is going on. Um, and exactly that's right, that social media all of a sudden clamps down on the story immediately like immediately like i remember that morning I, I mean how could i forget it like it's seared in my brain watching it go up at five in the morning um i couldn't sleep that night obviously biggest story of my life and and it goes up and by around seven in the morning when the rest of the media is waking up and and saying wow there's a big splash at the new york post um all of a sudden it's dead it's dead uh the links have been disabled um you can't share it you know People in legacy media start deleting their tweets about it because they're being threatened and menaced by these various social media companies that their accounts will be suspended. Um, and I'm sitting there like, what? Like, this is surreal. Um, I published a story I work for at the time, you know, the number five most circulated paper in America, the oldest paper in America. What is happening? And then fast forward to, I think it was October 21st, uh, Natasha Bertrand at Politico publishes the uh, 51 former intelligence officials yeah. say that uh, the Russian that, that the laptop is Russian disinformation, and that buttresses the excuse that social media gave in the first place, which was, "Oh, we think this might be Russian disinformation. It has the hallmarks of Russian disinformation." And this echo chamber emerges between big tech and the security state that this is Russian disinformation, and then obviously that justifies the rest of the media calling it that because you know uh, our top our top intelligence officials, which I call them spies, I won't dignify them with calling them intelligence officials, they're spies, um, and, and they had turned on the New York Post. Um, and, and so that was, to me, watching that those events happen so rapidly, this is weeks before Americans are casting their votes. Um, it was like, yeah, this is happening. And then Mark Zuckerberg comes out two years later to say that the FBI had warned him about this and told him basically to censor it. And I'm like, well, yeah, we know. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's again, well, we have we have forty eight hours for this story, and then we've got you know a year and a half for um, Dominion. Um, and and, and well, that right. Is, and this it, was a, this was an easy layup, and something that's easy for people to understand, and something that everybody watched before their eyes. So I don't know why people, you know, who feel that there is something, you know. Obviously, people feel that something was weird in the last election, and I understand that feeling, and I share that feeling. I do not think that the source of it was, um, you know, servers in Germany or whatever. It was it was right in front of your face. So what is your reaction to this Trump um, truth bomb that he dropped? On, and this is, again, I'm, I'm going to get the audience acclimated to this. This is when he posts something on True Social that was formerly known as a tweet, but I refer to them as truth bombs. I think it's going to take off. I think people are going to are going to get get it. And, and I, clever. In essence, he says we need to declare that he won the 2020 election or hold a new election. And uh, I want your take on it. I'll give you my take. But what did you think of this from Trump? I mean, in in Trump's form, you know, it's it's right on the nose, you know, but it's also not probably feasible. <laughs> and that's, it's not feasible, but for me, it. I thought this was this was a pretty good troll. I, I don't think he literally thinks it's going to happen, but I do think well, it does make you want to talk about it a little, like, a little bit more. But also, I understand the sentiment. Like, that's the thing about Trump yeah. is that he, he's extremely intuitive and, and, you know, he is sometimes not the most eloquent person, although actually sometimes he is the most eloquent person. But um, but this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, I get him. It's obviously not going to happen. It's probably a troll or maybe he's just expressing what, you know, is probably fair to say at this point, even though it's impossible. But yeah, I mean, how, they said that they were, they said that they were not going to investigate Hunter because they didn't want to put the scale, their finger on the scale of the election. But if they wanted to not put their finger on the scale of the election, they would have carried on business as normal. I have never heard of the FBI pausing an investigation of anybody because of timing for their PR. Um, it, it was putting, like, it was putting its finger on the scale of the election, and I think that that was probably the point. As we see this morning, it's being reported all um, that um, the agent cited by Chuck Grassley in in the in the whistleblower report that that the FBI was trying to kill Hunter Biden investigations. That guy has just left. Um, a top FBI agent at the Washington field office reportedly resigned from his post last week after facing intense scrutiny over allegations. He helped shield Hunter Biden from criminal investigations into his laptop and business dealings. That was reported by the New York Post um, last night. Um, I, I said his name on radio, actually, when I was on the morning after this was revealed. Timothy Tibalt is his name. And he, uh, he was actively working to kill Hunter Biden investigations. He even mislabeled a file on Hunter Biden to show it was closed, um, which was obviously outside of uh, FBI guidelines. Um, and, and these are activists inside of our law enforcement. It's, it's horrific. And I understand, I understand Trump's sentiment. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you about um, the election that we're heading into right now and uh, all the indicators are that the red wave uh, is is not happening at this moment. It is uh, not to say that it couldn't happen, and I certainly hope it does, but there's just too many uh, toss-up Senate seats right now, and even the House, some of the indicators are going in the wrong direction. And uh, by all means, you guys can all prove that the red wave is always gonna happen by getting 10,000 people out to vote and not opting out because you don't, uh, because whatever is your candidate isn't beloved, um, which, 
We decided we'd, we'd do that all of a sudden and give seats to Democrats. If we stop doing that, it could still happen. But that said, as of now, Emma, it is not looking as good for Republicans as it should be considering how badly the country's going. Um, I want to know who, if you agree with this statement that we are not in as strong enough ground as a conservative movement. Uh, and it, I want to know who you are blaming right now for the pretty much lack of messaging that's taking place. Uh, yeah, definitely do think that's the case. And it's a shame because this is such an easy layup. This is like, okay, I am currently actually um, in, in just outside of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. For the listeners who listen regularly, I live in New York City. Um, and I am on the road this week just doing this kind of research that we're talking about. But, on you know, in person, I'm, I'm trying to talk to people, go to swing counties, go to counties that, um, you know, you would imagine have been affected by Biden's policies um, the most. Um, and I was in a, a, a town called Columbia, Pennsylvania, which is um, in southern Pennsylvania, uh, just above Maryland, um, right about in the middle of the state. And this is a town that has been really gutted by uh, globalism, that has been really impacted by inflation. Um, they have lost all of their manufacturing, which was the lifeblood of the town. Um, and, and I've been talking to people in diners, actually, um, getting their take on politics and who they want to vote for. Many have you been ordering the crudite? No crudite um, at this particular diner. Um, no. Well, I, I, I learned that that's, that's what the blue collar, that's what the people in the Rust Belt are ordering now. They're all about the crudite. I've learned this right. just Well, actually, recently. it's funny you say that because I spoke to one guy who is called Woody, and he is a, a lifelong Columbia resident. This is a town that has been um, essentially gutted. Um, there's all kinds of uh, abandoned buildings, foreclosed buildings, foreclosed factories, uh, rampant uh, fentanyl addiction in this town. Um, it's, it's definitely not doing super well. And I spoke to him, and I asked him who he tends, intends to vote for, and he was saying that he's going to vote Republican. And I said, do you think, like, I said, I'm looking around and there are really complicated problems that I'm seeing. Do you think that the Republicans really have the answers? Are you convinced that they have the answers from their campaigning? And he said no. And he said he's voting for Republicans because he thinks that the Democrats make the pain come faster and the Republicans make the pain come slower. And I'm sorry, but if the GOP thinks that this is good, if this is going to be enough, I don't know. Because yeah. Woody, Woody was trying to basically prolong the death of his town by voting Republican. That is not optimism. That is not hope. It's actually the opposite of that. It's, this person has lost hope in our system, in our representatives, and he's just basically trying to, trying to stave off the worst of it. Yeah, this is uh, unfortunately, I think, where we're at. And I'm very nervous that a lot of the people who are running the Republican Party are there. There's too many. Uh, there's not a cohesive vision. I think Mitch McConnell privately would like to prove that Trump is not that great. Uh, I think Ron McDaniel's done a good job of keeping the donors interested, but not necessarily on putting out any sort of a message that's resonant. And I do think there's a lot of voters out there who are just not convinced Republicans right now are the answer. Uh, unless, yeah. unless of course you're in a place like, like a Florida. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say like, you know, we're talking about these characters who really set the agenda and who really are responsible for this. You know, Lisa Sonic comes to mind as well. McCarthy comes to mind as well. 
when was the last time any of them were in Columbia, Pennsylvania, which is um, a, a five-hour drive from Washington, D.C.? I mean, that's what, what I think the disconnect comes from, is there is no sense of urgency and there's no sense of curiosity. Um, you know, we know that there's a big problem in a lot of these communities, especially in the Rust Belt is one great example, where these people are really suffering. And I mean that I did not see a grocery store with fresh produce in this whole town, okay? These wow. people are really suffering with day-to-day needs. And, and we're talking, like, you know, the Republicans are talking about vague things and, and even the investigations. I mean, that's good, but the house is on fire. And, no, but but, but that is a minimum. Really the investigations are... Really go out and talk to the people to understand what the problems are and how to even approach trying to fix them. Initially conceived of the podcast format, I wanted to feature a caller of the day every day because we take so many callers on the live broadcast on SiriusXM Patriot, but we've kind of gotten away from it a little bit because I want to keep the podcast a little tighter for people because they're pretty long in terms of daily podcasts, and uh, it is unfortunate sometimes because our callers to the live show on SiriusXM Patriot are really brilliant. They add so much. I had a great conversation with Chris in Pennsylvania, and a, a follow-up caller said that there would be no justice on earth if we didn't highlight Chris on the podcast, so um, I'm taking the recommendation as i often do and we'll hear from chris let's play it two things real quick um one is fetterman uh, i don't understand why Oz campaign i found it myself uh while Oz campaign can go in there and find an interview with a black man that fetterman chased down with a shotgun proving who this uh. guy is he even admits in the video that when he's interviewed by the news he broke the law he says i probably broke the law doing what he did he illegally he illegally detained a United States citizen as a mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania. He should have been prosecuted. And then the other thing, too, I just wanted to say is I don't understand why Trump's team is not on the offensive. You know, the government doesn't like to be uh, put up against the ropes like the, the rope with dope of Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. If he, Trump's team is going on the offensive, a lot of things will come out, and Trump needs to go on the offensive. He cannot sit back and just let the government play patty cake, uh, you know, with him. So, Chris, let me respond to both these. I'm going to get your reaction, at least to the second part. Uh, first of all, yes, John Fetterman did chase a unarmed black person down the street with a shotgun, and he's admitted to this. And uh, is uh, a it is one where if he had different politics, I have a feeling we'd be talking about this a lot more often uh, than we have yes. in this campaign trail. And it's in, important to point that out. Um, but it, before we go to the, the Trump part, Chris, uh, but what is Dr. Oz doing out there? Because as I've said, and again, I, I'm going to invite, if we haven't already, guys, we got to invite Oz on the show because I, I really don't want Fetterman to win as much as Oz is such a wild card. Uh, but it's the, as I've said at least twice, I'm saying it for a third time, I, I thought Oz was one of the worst candidates I'd ever heard of get a major nomination in uh, American politics. And he's somehow done a worse job than I anticipated. Uh, is there... Is he doing anything right out there? Is he riding the ship at all? Or is it just crudite videos and uh, the jogging videos? First and- of all, two things. One, that crudite thing was stupid. In Pennsylvania, it's all about the, the eggs, the milk, and the bread. That's all he should have stuck yeah. to. Go to crudite. Nobody eats crudite except for the libs. The libs, you know, and those are the ones that's going to vote for Fetterman. So they don't care about crudite because they, they make a tremendous amount of money. 
So and, and, and Chris, and Chris, as someone who at least once or twice a year in vacation will uh, at least be in proximity, I, I don't think I'll order it myself, but I will be with a family member who will order it. <laughs> I, I still am smart enough to know if I was running for Senate in Pennsylvania, I would not put it in a in, in an ad. Like, no. like it, it's not even that he eats the raw vegetables. It's just raw vegetables. It's fine to eat raw vegetables. In fact, it's a good thing to eat. It's better than the chips, as I said on the show before. But it's, you don't run your campaign talking about crudite. <laughs> Eggs, milk, eggs and milk. That's all. You, eggs, milk and bread is all you talk about in Pennsylvania. I mean, it's just, eggs, milk and bread. That's all he had to stick to. Yeah. And then you say crudite. Now this guy raised almost a million dollars off of him saying crudite. You know, so yeah, um, and and <laughs> that, that is so unbelievable. That just using that word, it's the the and it is interesting because. Um, I don't, the bread, bread is not cheap, but I can tell you personally that I have to do the, the hazy, I got to do the, you know, the, the cartoony rubbing my eyes with my fists whenever I see the egg and milk prices in my neighborhood. I just can't even believe how high they are relative to when Biden took office. And uh, that is, yeah, no, there's the, 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 the top of the line organic milk uh, that I uh, used to get my children is now nine or $10. And uh, I've now gone back to the regular, regular milk. And it is, uh, if my kids are suffering from it, I, I think they'll be okay. But it really is unbelievable that that's where we're at now. Eggs, and milk, and it, bread, Pennsylvania. <laughs> okay, so let's turn to Trump. So Trump needs to be more on offense. Now I got two reads on this. I got, there's a couple possibilities and I haven't dwelt on it on the show that I brought it up a little bit. Um, but I've got, there's a couple possibilities for why this is the case. And I, I do think you're right. Um, for, first of all, maybe it is, as the establishment media is saying, that they're actually concerned that Trump did make some mistake or there's something in those documents that were seized that is going to be bad for him. And they don't want to get too far out on a limb. Um, that to me seems more far-fetched, though it's certainly crossed my mind that that could be the case. And, and second of all, they don't have that much to say and their platform isn't as big without... Twitter and with the New York Post and Fox News and a lot of Trump's traditional allies really trying to push him out in a lot of ways. Not primetime Fox, but daytime Fox wants Trump out. The New York Post had another op-ed today about how bad Trump is. Uh, they had multiple pieces about how bad Trump is. So he doesn't have that much friendly media. Um, so what do you think it is? Do you think it's, do you, do you see, here's the key point, Chris. Does he have an angle that he should be playing that you see clearly that he's not playing? Absolutely. First of all, I, as I think we talk numerous of times, so you know I'm in law enforcement. Number one, the government does not like to be put on offense. They like to sit back, and that's why they make deals. So that's just way they don't have to work hard. They be like sit there and be like, oh well, we'll cut. You know, they'll cut a deal with you rather quickly because they don't want to really work. So only they need to do first of all the warrant. In my professional opinion, was an illegal warrant. That's a general warrant. I've never seen a warrant that's so vague where you see stuff from four years ago. Number one, I don't understand why they got going, you know, pushing for a motion to suppress on, uh, you know, on, on all the evidence seized. Number one, number two is um, he, he once he once his once his team puts out anything, the regular news media goes with it anyway. So he does get the the national news coverage. Anything he says, they put it out. So it's not like he's going to get the interviews. But whenever they put out a statement saying we're ready to fight, the new, you know, the the, the regular the, the mainstream news media puts it out. So he can he can fight that way, you know. You may not get all the interviews, but they're going to put out everything that his lawyers say. Um, so he can he can fight you know fight these people using their own tactics against them, and that's the one thing I do see the Republican Party does not like to do is does not like to fight the same way the Democrat Party fights. 
but yeah, it, can it, get it, they, they can't help it. They can't help it. And I got to, it's going to be really interesting. Um, Chris, if this red wave doesn't happen and we realize that people have not been as aggressive as they could have been, uh, there's been some more aggressive chit chat, but it just feels like we have not seen the culture shift in terms of people being hardcore, uh, that we need to see. And, uh, in order to make sure that we're, uh, running up the score politically, it just feels like we've run a, a big risk being too polite as always, which has always been the case for my entire adult life for the Republicans is not understanding that you got to fight as hard as the Democrats fight. Absolutely. And I mean, I just think that the Republican Party going back once again on Ronald McDaniel, she's done a terrible job of reaching out to build to the black community. There's, there's, there's so much she could have done to reach out in the time leading up until the election. When you come to the black community during the election, it looks like you're just coming for votes. So people are never going to be turned off to you. As I said before, the Democrat Party is like an abusive step parent to the, to the black community. That's all we know. So therefore, at the end of the day, you're going to be, you're going to vote for them because that's all you know, because they've never seen or heard of a Republican before, for the most part. So therefore, you're never going to get them to vote for you because they don't see you there. And it's and to have a you got to be relational with the black community. You just cannot show up during election season. It doesn't work. And then, you know, then you try to come with the logic of, well, look what they do to you. But that's like telling an abusive spouse to leave their husband or wife or whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend. But people don't leave because people, that's all they know. So, therefore, if you want to change their mindset, you have to build a relationship with them. And Ronald McDaniel has done a terrible job of getting into a relationship with them. There's plenty of people sitting on the fence, especially in one of the largest cities in Pennsylvania, only only 17% votes. That's 83% do not vote. There's a mark. There's a huge market of people that you can uh, push a message to and just go on crime and yeah. taxes, crime taxes, and what I can do for your family. 83% of the city does not vote. 83%. And you're telling me, oh, leave, no, don't come down there because nobody want to hear what you got to say. Well, if you just show up during election season, nobody's going to want to hear what you got to say. That's today's broadcast. Thanks so much to producer Nico, filling in for Zach, Greg Eben, Robert Marlowe, Healthy Pick Topics, and all of you who listen to the show. Don't forget, we had a special show that we just released, which was uh, my panel discussion with Devin Nunes and Peter Schweitzer and Robert Davi and Donald Trump Jr. about the Mice and Hunter movie. So check that out as well. And we'll talk to you next time. Apologize.